0: We give you the chance to hear many different people who are facing many different struggles talk about what they're doing, how they're doing it, and why they're doing it, in the belief that such listening is a crucial step in strengthening all of our efforts to change the world. On this week's show, I'll be speaking with Rebecca Keach and Tiffany Balducci. On the one hand, it's no secret that Ontario is in the middle of a long, slow erosion of the manufacturing sector of its economy, with all of the harm that implies for workers and communities. On the other hand, it's also no secret that we're in a climate crisis that is bad and that looks to get a whole lot worse, particularly if we do not very soon take transformative action. What may be less well understood, however, is that there are things that we can do to begin to address both of those issues at the same time. Oshawa is a city of 160,000 people on the north shore of Lake Ontario, east of Toronto. Though it has long been a hub of Canada's auto industry, in recent years the auto sector in the city has been fading. Outsourcing, downsizing, reallocating production, and a range of other mechanisms by General Motors have cut the workforce from over 20,000 in the city at its peak in the 1980s to only 2,300 in the plant today. When the industry was hit hard by the economic crisis in 2008, the federal and provincial governments provided GM with over $10 billion in bailouts. Though the company was saved, the bailout deal drove down wages significantly, and the company sought further concessions from workers in later bargaining as well. And though the company is now very profitable, billions of dollars were never repaid to the government. Then, in November 2018, despite the bailout, despite the many concessions made by workers, GM announced that it would be closing its Oshawa assembly plant at the end of 2019. Reaction from workers and from the community was the mix of anger and grief that you might expect. Job action by workers, media and political campaigning by the union, and some tough negotiating convinced the company to keep a few hundred non assembly jobs in Oshawa, though it's unclear for how long, and to provide good buyout packages. However, the impact on the community at large of the permanent loss of so many good jobs remains very serious. Concurrent with the Union's effort to challenge the closure, a joint labor-community campaign emerged. Workers, youth climate organizers, social justice advocates, and environmentalists came together to form Green Jobs Oshawa. Their goal is to push for the government to take the plant into public hands. This would allow not just Oshawa but the entire country to benefit from the existing experience and expertise of workers in Oshawa and the infrastructure that already exists in the plant, which could be retooled to produce electric vehicles. In particular, it's likely that governments and the broader public sector will be overhauling their vehicle fleets in the coming years in response to rising demands for climate action, and those vehicles could be made in Oshawa. Through months of tireless organizing, Green Jobs Oshawa has built a solid base of support among a broad cross-section of Oshawa residents. Both the retirees and the active members in the union local representing workers at the plant have passed resolutions calling for its nationalization, as has the Local Labour Council, the Ontario NDP, and other bodies. The group also commissioned a detailed feasibility study, which was released in September. It found that a $1.4 to $1.9 billion investment by the government could create almost 3,000 manufacturing jobs and over 10,000 other jobs in the community, and it would start to break even by its fourth year of operations. It would reduce carbon dioxide emissions by 400,000 metric tons by year five, and it would provide a model for public intervention into the economy, relevant to a lot of other contexts, that could both address the needs of working people and steer the kind of transformation that the climate crisis demands. Rebecca Keach is an auto worker at the GM Assembly Plant in Oshawa, and is active in her union on the Political Action Committee and the Education Committee. Tiffany Balducci is the president of the Durham Region Labor Council. Both are actively involved in Green Jobs Oshawa. I speak with them about their bold plan for the nationalization and retooling of the Oshawa Assembly plant and about what they're doing to put pressure on politicians in the closing weeks of the federal election campaign.
1: My name is Rebecca Keach. I'm a auto worker at the GM Assembly Plant. I've worked there since two thousand six. I'm involved with my union in the political action committee and the education committee. And I've been a strong supporter of Green Jobs Oshawa and bringing the GM plant under public ownership. I started getting involved with my union because I was getting very, very frustrated with being basically a long-term temp there. So I started in 2006 as a supplemental workforce employee, which was full-time temp work that was outside of the collective agreement. And in 2012, there was a promise made at ratification that we would be coming under the collective agreement and be hired as full-time members. And that started to seem a very distant dream, and it really motivated me to start learning all I could about what was going on in our workplace and our union. I got a lot of positive encouragement from people to get involved and to learn as much as I could. It was a pretty natural progression to becoming increasingly involved and trying to make a difference in what was going on in the workplace.
2: And I'm Tiffany Balducci. I'm the president of Durham Region Labor Council. Labor Council is a delegated body made up of union delegates of different union locals around a certain geographic area. Ours is Durham Region in Ontario, which includes Oshawa. And Green Jobs Oshawa, which Durham Region Labor Council is a part of, is a coalition of workers, youth climate strike organizers, community leaders, environmentalists, labor and social justice advocates, all working towards the common goal of placing the soon to be nearly empty Oshawa assembly facility under public ownership in order to repurpose it for socially beneficial manufacturing. And for me, I moved to Oshawa from Flint, Michigan, 11 years ago. I had a job offer in Canada as a librarian. I was a member of the Canadian Union of Public Employees. I still am. But prior to that, in Flint, where I was from, I was actually a shop steward at the library that I worked at there. And everyone in my family either worked for a feeder plant or for General Motors. Being from Flint, that was the business that people were in. So I had a strong connection and it just so happened that I ended up in Oshawa and joined in, in the labor movement relatively quickly, getting involved with my own local, but also getting involved with community organizing and community groups, grassroots initiatives, labor councils. I'm also fourth vice president of QP Ontario. So it's been amazing working with people like Rebecca and folks with Green Jobs Oshawa. But we're also working in coalition and just everyone coming together, realizing that for too long, labor's had this narrative that it's good jobs versus the environment. And we're really busting that narrative together.
0: Tell listeners a bit about the history of General Motors' presence in Oshawa.
1: GM, I think it was on their 100th year that they announced that they were closing There was automobile and carriage production here before GM, but once GM came, I believe that 2018 was their 100-year anniversary for the city. At the height of production, they employed over 17,000 hourly employees. I think that went up to 22,000 when you included the salaried employees as well. It was the primary place to work in the city. My great-grandfather was there during the strike that brought in the union. Both of my grandfathers worked there. My grandmother worked there for a while and then had to quit when she got married. So if you're in the city of Oshawa, you either you know somebody that's worked there or you have worked in the auto industry in in some form. Now we've gone down from 17 to 22,000 to around, I think it's about 2,300 people in the plant and an additional 1,700 people directly employed in the supplier parts industry. And the vast majority of those were traditionally GM jobs that have been outsourced so that they could apply downward pressure on wages. And they were pretty successful in doing that. GM has managed to get massive concessions out of its workers in Oshawa and Canada including lowering the starting wage rate. The starting wage rate was 85% down to 60%. So the starting rate in there now is about $21. And you have over a 10-year wage progression to reach the top. People in the supplier plants are generally working for between $15 and $21 an hour. So these aren't the fabled great jobs that they used to be. And so I think a lot of people felt very, very betrayed and very, very angry when GM announced their closure because they have accepted these concessions. And the reason why these concessions were accepted was because GM said, that's what we need you to do in order for us to stay here. And in the 2016 contract, it was presented to us as having product through 2020 and beyond. So it's a pretty devastating loss to the community, but GM has been leaving Oshawa slowly but surely for the last 15 years anyways. Oshawa has really worked hard on diversifying, but I think there's no way to avoid the effects of this plant closure on the community. It's going to be devastating.
0: And I understand that in the aftermath of the 2008 financial crisis, that GM got a huge bailout from the federal and provincial governments?
1: So what I understand is that GM required government bailout in the multi-billions of dollars in order to stay afloat, and the government felt that this was a industry that was certainly worth protecting and made the necessary investment. Before they did that, the government made GM and the union go back to the table and renegotiate their contract, and the government forced them to do this I think it was three times before they accepted the concessions that the workers had made. So GM and the union would come to an agreement and the government would say the workers haven't given enough. We need you to go back and cut some more. So there was massive concessions made by the workers in 2009 in order for GM to receive the government bailout. There were almost no strings attached. I think that there was a requirement that they continued producing a certain percentage of vehicles here. I'm not sure if it was 2017 or 2016, but it wasn't a very extended period of time for the amount of money that they were given. And in the 2016 negotiations, GM had made it clear that they had wanted to close the plant. And one of the primary focuses of the campaign to keep GM open at that time was that the government had given them billions of dollars. They had used that money to become highly profitable and had been having record years of profit since the bailout. There was a lot of public pressure applied for them that they needed to maintain a commitment to Canada and to Oshawa in particular. The government also was not able to recoup all the money that they had given to GM in exchange for the bags of money that was handed over to that company. They were given shares and stock options and stuff like that, which the government did sell, but there was no way to recoup all of the money that they had given. I think it's something like the government came up short by just under $3 billion
2: yeah, that's correct. And so that's one of the reasons public ownership makes sense. I mean, essentially, the taxpayers already own the plant. They actually end up still kind of owing us the money back.
1: It's worth noting that if the government could find 13 billion dollars to bail out a company, that they could have had the opportunity at that time to nationalize part of the industry, and they didn't. they gave it back over to private interests, and private interests have padded their bottom line. And at the same time, driven down wages and benefits for the community. And I think that it's a pretty backwards way of doing business with public dollars. We could use those public dollars. And as the feasibility talks about, look at things from a triple bottom line instead of just a profit, which is how can we deal with the environmental issues and crisis that we have right now? How can we tackle social issues? What is going to be socially beneficial? How do we stop rising inequality? And also, is there an economic case for this project? And the feasibility study says a resounding yes. And I think that it just takes some political will that is bold and forward-thinking to make this happen.
0: When GM announced that they were closing the plant, what were the different ways that people reacted? That the community reacted, that workers reacted, that the union reacted... And how did all of that eventually lead to the founding of Green Jobs Oshawa?
1: People were initially outraged and angry. The workers walked out of the plant. The union supported the walkout and they sent a very strong message to GM that they didn't have any intention of letting the plant get closed and made it clear that they expected to have negotiations with GM about this and had the workers go back to work. There was a sign campaign to save GM Oshawa. There was a t-shirt campaign. There was a very well-attended rally in Windsor. There was leafleting of the car show in Montreal and the car show in Toronto. There was walkouts by two other plants. So after the initial response by the union, GM said, well, we'll consider your proposals and we'll look at this again. And then GM came back and said, sorry, we've considered what you're saying, but we're going to keep you unallocated and shut the plant down. And so the workers sat down a second time to stop production. The union and GM continued negotiating. The workers went back to work. The union came up with a pretty targeted ad campaign about GM and the money that they'd gotten from the government. They also came up with a slightly more difficult campaign regarding boycotting Mexican-made GM vehicles, and I thought that that was a little problematic. The end result of all of this is that GM has agreed to keep between three and 500 jobs in Oshawa. They will no longer be manufacturing automobiles or assembling automobiles. They'll be stamping out some parts and working on some aftermarket parts. So it's a far cry from the proud history that GM has had.
2: Green Jobs Oshawa, it, you know, it started off more of like a loose coalition and then it solidified more and more as we met. We ended up partnering with Delivering Community Power and the Canadian Union of Postal Workers because we envisioned that the plant could be retooled. This is before we had the feasibility study done that actually verified that it could be done. But we envisioned that the plant could be retooled to build the largest vehicle fleet in Canada, which is Postal Vehicles. We even did some door-to-door canvassing and door-knocking with a petition, and it was an overwhelmingly positive response from our community saying, yeah, why can't we do this? And everyone was in support of this and in support of looking into how we can not only save jobs, but also save the environment or address the climate emergency in the meantime. And each meeting we have, we gain more support from our community. We also went to the Provincial NDP Convention and were able to pass a resolution and policy there around this issue. So it's just been gaining momentum as we move forward. But I mean, the clock is ticking.
1: The Green Jobs Oshawa project has run concurrently to what the union did. So the initial thought of the people with Green Jobs Oshawa is that we need to be demanding for more than just GM to stay That we need to start looking at things in a different way because what we're doing with GM hasn't been working. And so Green Jobs Oshawa was hopeful that the union would be able to successfully convince GM to stay, but it didn't seem likely that GM was going to reverse their decision. And so there's been a lot of work put forward to try to get people to just start having the conversation about what else is possible outside of GM. Like, what else can we be doing to help our community members? The union was able to negotiate good closing language for many of its members. That's good for individuals, but that doesn't address what happens to the community when we lose 5,000 jobs. So these are jobs that are now gone that new people can't move into. Green Jobs Oshawa has been about trying to think bigger. So the first thing that happened around this was resolutions getting passed. So The retirees chapter at Local 222 passed a resolution calling on the nationalization of GM. The general membership of 222 passed a similar resolution, and the Labor Council also passed a resolution. So that was the beginning of getting legitimate support. So it went from just being an idea to being something that we had membership and community buy-in, that this is something that we could start looking into There was a forum in April on the nationalization of GM, and that was well attended. We have been lobbying local politicians. We've been talking to different union leadership, different unions. There was a canvas that went door to door. We have a website set up, greenjobsoshawa.ca. I encourage anybody to go there and to sign on to our petition. We set up a Facebook page, which is also Green Jobs Oshawa. Getting the feasibility study commissioned, Russ Christensen, who's the president of Rhythm Communications, was the organizer of the feasibility study. We had a forum that presented the feasibility study and also gave some validation from social perspective as well, why this is an important thing to do. It was live streamed and well attended. We've had really good media coverage.
2: Yeah, it's definitely been a labor of love. We're all doing it as volunteers, you know, free time or off the sides of our desks. You know, it's really a grassroots initiative done with countless amount of work, but we're so grateful to have the support that we've had from organizations like The Leap helping us out and guiding us.
1: It's amazing how quickly people are able to come to the conclusion that it makes sense to have the government take part in a project like this, and that it's a concrete example of what could be done. We talk about the Green New Deal and how it can't just be the environment or jobs that we have to have just transitions. We can't leave our communities behind. And this is a concrete example of something that could be done if there was political will to make it happen.
0: What are some of the key findings of the feasibility study that you commissioned?
1: Well, I think that it is a relatively reasonable financial price tag, 1.2 to 1.9 billion. And I know that that seems like an awful lot of money, and it really is. But when you consider that, like, what the government did to bail out GM was, I think, 13 billion, and to buy a pipeline was 4.5 billion. I think one of the things I found really interesting in the study is I think it was 45 different crown corporations or agencies with over 3 trillion in assets and that the value of those has gone up I think it was by 20 or 30% since 2013 and 14 so the government knows how to manage its assets it's not just bumbling around there's a good economic case to be made for government ownership or public ownership it puts the control back into communities and it gives us an opportunity to have a say in what's going to happen. We can't just get abandoned. We can't just have 5,000 people suddenly out of work. And it's not just Oshawa that GM has done this. GM has closed plants all across Ontario and they leave the same path of destruction in the auto industry because of our trade laws and stuff doesn't really have a good reason to build here. So we need to protect our manufacturing capacity. I think it was something like with the multiplier effect that there would be around 13,000 jobs created in the area, up to 2,900 manufacturing related, including 600 part supplier jobs and over 10,000 multiplier jobs. They say for each job inside of a factory like this, that there are between five to nine multiplier jobs. Russ went with a conservative number of the multiplier by five to come up with the 10,000 number. Something else that was really amazing is that we could decrease our CO2 emissions by 400,000 metric tons by year five, and that it would be a break-even proposition around year four. So having it anchored in government procurement is also something that's a necessary consideration because it gives you a captive market and doesn't just leave you wide open to the competitive nature of the automobile industry.
0: So What kinds of things have you been hearing in response to this idea from the folks who have the power to actually make that decision?
1: I think that what we're having is a lot of very difficult conversations. I mean, public services and the idea of public ownership, honestly, I think has been under attack for the last few decades at least in Ontario, but I think it is across Canada. You'll see it manifested in negativity towards teachers or efforts by governments to want to privatize parts of our healthcare system We're increasingly looking at privatizing municipal workers or stuff like that. So the idea of public ownership in government-controlled work has been under attack. So it's a difficult conversation to start with, but I think that it's an important one We have to change the narrative and we have to recognize that we have a right to have a say in our economy and in our environmental issues. And when you start framing it around these ideas of how are we going to tackle the environmental crisis? How are we going to tackle rising inequality? And one of the things that has to come up as a solution to this is public ownership and looking at it from a standard that is different than just a profit driven standard. And as soon as you say public ownership, a lot of people and politicians think of, oh, my goodness, they're just going to go in and expropriate the plant and GM isn't just going to let them have it. But nationalization doesn't have to be a forceful process. It could be negotiated. It could be fair market value. But it's something that we need to be looking at. So when we frame it as this is a beginning of a conversation and can you at least listen to what we're saying and tell us how you feel if we get a lot farther? And honestly, I'm amazed at how well received it is. From all different levels, obviously, I haven't had any contact with the Prime Minister or Andrew Scheer or Jagmeet Singh directly on this thing. So I don't know how the federal leaders are feeling about it. But what I'd be extremely appreciative of is if any of your listeners could go to greenjobsoshawa.ca and find the petition, which will send a letter of support to the federal leaders and to the parties and to your MPs and MPPs.
2: Jack Singh was in Oshawa about two weeks ago to release part of the federal NDP's platform around the automotive strategy. And some of the folks from Green Jobs Oshawa had a chance to quickly talk to him about it. So we're really interested to see if there's any response there. We think it's a winning election issue. And like Rebecca said, we're open to talking to any party or any politician to have this conversation. They have to know that this is what the people in our community want to see happen.
0: What's Green Jobs Oshawa's game plan moving forward, and how would you like people from other parts of the country to show support and solidarity?
2: So the petition and circulating it and sharing it on social media, reading through, we have like a frequently asked questions page on our website, so just getting familiarized with the topic. And then if they want to host their own town halls in their area, we can also provide tools that people want to have, even just a kitchen table conversation about this in their communities or in their homes. There'll be more events that people could host if they wanted, that would be a panel or a discussion. From a labor perspective, we have some conventions coming up. We have the Ontario Federation of Labor Convention. We're working on resolution language for different various union conventions that are coming up. And we're also working on making sure to get as many people to visit the website and sign the petition as possible. There's conversations happening currently with the folks on strike in the United States and doing some kind of partnership there. We're kind of working on future events and then also a strategy in our community, um, how we're going to do more outreach. With it being the federal election right now, we also are making sure that at all the debates in our community and anything where we're seeing the candidates for the federal election, we're making sure that questions are being asked about the future of the plant and if they support this.
1: All I would ask is for people to not be afraid To think bigger, to think bigger for their communities, to think bigger for Oshawa, and to think bigger for how we need to move forward with our economy and with the challenges that we're facing, like to learn about the Green New Deal. That's a huge policy framework that I think is the only chance that we have to move things forward in a sustainable manner that's not going to make it a conversation that's just about the environment. Because really, as far as I can tell, the environmental concerns and the social concerns go hand in hand. They're both about respect for our planet and ourselves, and we need to bring these ideas together This isn't just about Oshawa. This is about what are the ideas that need to happen and how can we be part of the conversation and have those conversations with people because they aren't easy conversations to have at first. As soon as you say nationalization or public ownership, people aren't even sure where to really go with that. You have to give it some time to let it sink in that this is something that is possible.
0: You have been listening to my interview with Rebecca Keach and Tiffany Balducci of Green Jobs Oshawa. To learn more about the group and to sign their petition, go to greenjobsoshawa.ca. To find out more about Talking Radical Radio, the guests, the theme music, and the ways that you can listen, go to talkingradical.ca and click on the link for the radio show.